We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it over 25 minutes, all right? Welcome, everybody, to the Underage Packers podcast. This is episode number 128, and we are coming to you early on in this offseason to deliver you some high-quality Packers talk. Not a lot going on in Packerland uh, right now, but we still have a few things to talk about and getting ready for the offseason. And then, obviously, we'll be wrapping up this NFL season by talking about the Super Bowl. So, my friend Big B, I mean, the last two or three times we've recorded since the Packers season has ended, it's I your Packers gear has been sparse. I mean, you, you've been switching it up a bit lately. Is that a, a conscious decision by you, or is that just uh, kind of a subconscious thing, really? Well, that's just how it's been working. Hmm. Um, you know, I've been wearing all my Packers stuff, of course. Okay. Just today, I just figured, hey, let's change it up a bit, and then... You know, now we're recording, so now it looks like I don't wear any Packer clothes for the past four months. But right, yeah, I mean, pitchers and catchers did report, and you know, I find it funny about baseball. I'm not completely familiar with their um, off-season training program, but I find it funny how football is like. All right, we're gonna have mini camp in May, where all the rookies report, and then OTAs in May, June, and you know, you got to stay up in July for. Uh, you know, month and a half of training camp. You know, it's like they're uh, the players are off right now, and really, this four to six week period is really their only off time before they get back into training, at least with their personal trainers. And then baseball is like what their season ended in, in late October, at least mm-hmm. for the teams that competed in the World Series in the playoffs. And now here they are in February, and they're like, eh, here we go, spring training. You got to play games on March 30th. That's opening day. You know, go out there, have some fun. And I'm sure it's a little bit different considering they played, what, 160 games in the regular season? Two? 162? 163? Yeah, an absurd amount of games. So I'm sure that plays into it a little bit more. It's not, while every game is obviously important, it's not as consequential as one game in the NFL season is so maybe that has something to do with it but this is not underage brewers or underage cardinals um because it is, it is underage Packers so first off I want to start off talking about Aaron Rodgers and like we did in our last episode I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about Aaron Rodgers because there's plenty of people that will talk all day about that on radio so we are not going to be those people and we each, we're going to take the, the format of, I forget what the ESPN show is called, where we each have one minute and four seconds to speak about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to get all of it out. And then after that, we're going to be silent. Um, and we're going to, I don't know, there's no consequence except um, disapproval from the other if we mention him um, later on in the episode. So I'm going to go first. Let me get my timer going here. So the the meaning behind the four seconds there, you know, you got the one minute just because that's the standard time for um, like talk and then shut up. And then the four seconds is added on for the four days he's spending in darkness. So I'm going to start this time here. I honestly don't know if I'm going to reach minute or four, but we'll see here. All right. In three, two, one. 
all right, you guys are driving me crazy with all of this Aaron Rodgers discourse. Aaron Rodgers is driving me crazy with all this discourse on Pat McAfee. Like, sure, he can call out Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport for not knowing nothing, but they might not know nothing about his camp, but they have sources inside the Packers building that Aaron Rodgers himself has admitted that he, you know, conversations are going on inside the building that he is not privy to. And, you know, him calling out these reporters now makes all of his cult uh, following, like, just even more encouraged to, like, disapprove or not believe anything Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport say, which is kind of a, a stupid idea anyways. But anyways, I only got 24 seconds left now. Um, I think it's time to move on. You got to uh, remove your emotions from it. This is all I've said all these past few months, um, and it's better for the franchise right now. It's it's a pivotal point. Get out now. Still get, you know, maybe a second, third round draft pick, maybe a first if you're lucky from a crazy owner. And I got four seconds left. Aaron, I hope you're spend your uh, darkness retreat well. Three, four. Okay. Wow. I got I got my words out. It felt good. Okay. There we go. All right. Big B, it is your turn. I'll, I'll time you just to make sure you aren't cheating. Let's uh, let's hear your thoughts. Go. Okay. What, do, what should we talk about? Yeah. I don't know why people are so obsessed over his darkness retreat. I mean, like really who cares? Like I get people are obsessed about his personal life, but you know, I only care about football things. You know, I find some things that I don't do interesting, but people are taking us way too seriously. They're taking a too big of a deep dive into this. Just absolutely ridiculous. Um, him calling out Scheffner and Rappaport were, was phenomenal. I found that really enjoyable. Um, and, uh, personally right now, I think that, um, Rogers will be back this year, unfortunately, but you know, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm enjoying the hell out of this last season. And then Jordan Love will be our quarterback going into 2024. And I'm so excited about that. All right. Ended off at 49. Said your words. Um, you did did say one thing early on about like, you not caring about his personal life and, like that is quite a change from what four or five years ago, uh, when you are on Instagram live with your, with your little Danica Patrick replica card, and you're like, "I bought this just because they were dating. What am I supposed to do with this now?" Which was one of uh, many great moments that your old Instagram lives delivered, um, including quite a few Milwaukee Brewers games uh, oh, and your yeah. reactions to those. Those those were fun. Yeah, I wish all that could just disappear and nobody would remember. But, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it's gone from the internet, I think, but it's definitely not gone from my memory bank. Digital footprint. <sighs> all right, well, that's all we have on Aaron Rodgers. So now we can move on to bigger and better things, just like the Packers hopefully will. Hopefully the, the police don't count that as Aaron Rodgers' talk. So... Uh, we'll talk about the Packers a little bit later and their staff moves and kind of where we think they're heading in this offseason. But I did want to talk about the Super Bowl, the big game. So first off, the one of the most noticeable things was the, the turf on this field. And a little bit of it started to come out on Twitter, like as the game was progressing and people were complaining, you know, not necessarily new information, but it was being brought up that like this turf was – like especially made and prepared for months on end by the NFL just for this game. They spent tons of money on it. And the thing about it is that it was like an experiment from my understanding of it. It was this new grass that they were trying out 
And they're like, hey, hopefully it works. We'll try it out in the Super Bowl. Like, just because something is super expensive does not mean it's going to work out the very first time. So that that's frustrating to me, especially when the Super Bowl is meant to be played and is played on a neutral site. Like, it is not supposed to be affected by weather at all, by any other conditions at all. Like, it's ideally played on a grass field, though, because of the issues with the turf that the players have started to bring up, especially this year, including David Bakhtiari. So the fact that they prepare this for months, tried an experiment in the Super Bowl, is ridiculous to me, and it unfortunately had its effect. which I can completely understand why Eagles players were frustrated with that. And I did see afterwards that somebody actually tracked the amount of times on Patrick Mahomes dropbacks that Eagles defense players slipped. And then um, conversely, the amount of Jalen Hurts dropbacks that uh, Chiefs players slipped and the Chiefs only slipped on like 14% and the Eagles 38%. So I don't know if that has something to do with like just where they were on the field because I know the logos, the painted areas were especially slippery. So that definitely could have had something to do with that. But other than that, it's just really bad luck for the Eagles, kind of like the Vikings trip to Lambeau Field in week 17. But they are a terrible franchise anyways that deserve to go into the abyss on like the NFC champion Eagles who earned it. Um, so the turf was awful. Um, and then Travis Kelsey after the game – I, I like Travis Kelsey. I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of him and Jason's podcast. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal player. But, you know, he definitely scratched a nerve with some people um, after the AFC Championship game where he called <laughs> the mayor of Cincinnati a jabroni. And I found that funny. I found that uh, banter funny. But then after the game, after the Super Bowl, um, the very similar setting, Kelsey gets on the stage. Um, and he says um, something along the lines of before he like even says much about how great the team is or like, I hate to be a, a boomer, but like how it doesn't even throw out respects to the other team. Like he goes out there and he's like, oh, nobody said that we were going to win this division. Nobody had the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. And the whole time I'm just like, bro, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs were like two second or third favorites to win this Super Bowl. I don't know where this narrative came from that the Chiefs were expected to go 6-10. and 10. Like, I know there was hype around the, the Broncos because they got Russell Wilson, the Raiders because they got Devontae Adams, and they had a pretty decent 2021, made the playoffs over the Chargers. And then the Chargers, like, they traded for Cleo Mack and Justin Herbert is entering the prime years of his career. But, like, nobody, nobody was counting out the Chiefs. Like, I know they traded away Tyree Kill and people were – kind of questioning how their offense would adapt without that. But um, there there was at least one person um, believing in the Chiefs that they could win the Super Bowl, um, shockingly to Travis Kelsey's belief. But, baby, I, I know you were, you were throwing uh, – you were talking some stuff on Travis Kelsey um, both weeks on Twitter too. So what, what are your thoughts on his post-game comments? Yeah, well, I absolutely loved his trash talk against the Bengals. I thought that was phenomenal. And it it, it absolutely blew my mind at how many people were frustrated over that because, like, you know, that's that's funny stuff right there. I don't know. 
maybe that's just the new generation bullshit that's going on but <laughs> i don't <laughs> i don't i don't know but yeah i didn't really care what he said during the super bowl i guess he could have you know hold that off a bit but you know i i really dig deep in my brain and i do remember people saying like i know like the broncos got all these pieces new pieces i got the raiders got all these new pieces um chargers got dominant offense but the chiefs are still going to win this division because they got patrick Mahomes. i remember multiple people saying that before the season even started so like you said i don't know where this narrative started i don't know why this is a thing but go off i guess have fun with it (laughs) oh man i guess I'm so proud of you. That was great usage of a Gen Z term. And I don't even know if it was on purpose, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I think that's actually part of my vocabulary now. Oh, really? Okay. That's that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, with big boomer, big B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I like you said, I really enjoyed, like, I found it entertaining what he said after the Bengals game. But then after the Super Bowl, it was just like, all right, man, like, it just felt like crap, bro, energy, and he's, like, 31, so, yeah, I don't know, and, and clearly, like, he's, he's very, I I don't know if I'd say, like, articulate or super well-spoken on New Heights podcasts, I honestly haven't listened to too many episodes of that, even though I just said I was a fan of it, Um, but, like, he, obviously, he gets excited and reverts to that mode when he's, um, wants something, but that's Travis Kelsey. Next up, we got to talk about the holding call at the end of this game, which was just as big as a controversy as the turf. And I like I, I agree with most of the discussion that has gone on since then. Like, and even James Bradbury admitted that sure by by the rule, it was it should be called a holding. And I know a lot of people were confused and still are have not got the message the message of that if it's a holding call, not pass interference, it does not matter if the ball was uncatchable. Because initially when I saw the flag and James Bradbury was complaining, Patrick Holmes was pointing at him, I was like, how are you going to call PI on that? That ball was clearly, you know, 10 yards over Juju's head. But, you know, holding call does not matter where the ball is. could be all the way over in Wyoming, and it would not matter. But, um, like, by the law, it's, it's the right call. But regardless of the situation, which you have, which maybe shouldn't be taken into account, but like um, it, it, w- it would be a weak call no matter what. Like, I think if that happened in a regular season game in the third quarter, I'd be like, ah, that's that's kind of ticky tacky. And I know a lot of people like Greg Olson even said, oh, you know, in, in this moment, you can't call that. And that's. I don't know how I feel about that because you can't throw off. It can't be the purge in the last two minutes. All right. But it, it definitely needs to be more consistent with how the rest of the game has been called. Just like we saw uh, with the Packers and Buccaneers in 2020 in the NFC championship game, just was not a consistently ruled game. You know, Kevin King getting called on that holding at the end of the game that ended up costing the Packers an opportunity to win it in the last minute. Um, you know, that was, that was probably a good call. Um, you know, no matter what our bias wanted to tell us at that time, but you had Alan Lazard on the penalty that gave the Buccaneers obsession right before halftime getting clearly held. And, you know, that really messed up 
you know, if Aaron Rodgers, if that holding penalty doesn't happen, Aaron Rodgers at the very least is more likely to not have it intercepted because Lazard's going to cut across in front of that safety. But no matter what, the, the game just needs, the calling just needs to be more consistent. And, you know, there was a lot of opportunities where the Packers were trying to get more handsy with the Buccaneers receivers because that's what the Buccaneers defenders were doing to their side. And they're like, all right, this is how we're going to play. This is how we're going to play. And just wasn't consistent in that game, wasn't consistent in this game. And I really liked the officiating for most of the game that they were letting them play. But uh, that holding call at the end there obviously is going to generate a lot of discussion when we were kind of robbed of a, a big finish because, I mean, that fourth quarter was pretty insane. And, you know, I, I was sick on Sunday, so I just, like, was not able to fall asleep all day. And then, like, in between the third and fourth quarter, I was like, all right, I'm finally getting tired. I'm going to have to, like, put this on pause and, like, watch it later. And then I wake up. My dad, I hear my dad saying, oh, they're tied with five minutes left. I'm like, oh, well, might as well just speed up to there. So I watched that, and then on Monday – I watched the minutes 15 through five and they were incredible. I mean, Jalen Hurts just played the game of his life and a few incredible passes to Devontae Smith, skinny boy, just like me. Um, <laughs> so overall game was really good. Holding call kind of um, put a damper on that just a bit, but uh, Big B, what were your thoughts on Super Bowl 57 in the game? Yeah, well, that, that was absolutely phenomenal. That was one of the best Super Bowls I've watched um, up there with the Eagles and Patriots a few years yeah. back. Just nonstop action throughout the entire entire thing. I enjoyed the hell out of that Super Bowl. I felt like a kid in the candy store. I was so excited because you got two high-powered offenses going at each other. There's going to be a lot of points. Everybody knew that, so... Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed it. It was a great game, and I wish every Super Bowl was like that. Definitely. Just the Patriots versus Rams won a few, year ago, few years ago. It's just pales in comparison. It's not, not a great one. I almost fell asleep during that Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. all right. That's that's the Super Bowl. We'll end it off there for the Super Bowl. Uh, no, Now, focusing back on the Packers, which I wish I could say I feel good about being in that Super Bowl next year, but – We'll, we'll hold off on that right as of now. Um, some staff moves, though, that they have encountered over these past few weeks after the season ended against Detroit. So, first off, Jerry Gray, secondary coach, has he declined, just let his contract expire with the Packers, and he signed to be a part of the Atlanta Falcons staff. So, round of applause for Jerry Gray getting a new job. And, you know, sad to see him go, obviously, but stuck it out, stuck his contract out, and hopefully this opportunity will suit him uh, better or just as well. I don't know what he's hoping for there in Atlanta, but cheers to you, Jerry Gray. Yes. Uh, and the next up, we're going to replace some. The Packers hired Greg Williams with only one G, not the failed defensive coordinator, Greg Williams. Um, he is the former Arizona defense backs coach, so – he takes on the same title as Jerry Gray as the defensive passing game coordinator. Seems like a young guy that the players in Arizona really liked. And, you know, the Packers have a lot of young secondary players that are kind of at a pivotal point in their development, whether it be Eric Stokes, maybe you throw Donnell Savage in there. Um, and I'm sure they might 
look at drafting another corner this year, depending on they how they feel about Rasul Douglas and what his contract looks like after um, 2023. And maybe, you know, it's a three-year deal, but maybe it's would be a good chance for the Packers to get out after this year. Um, and then, uh, sorry to bring that up, but, can't, you know. can't do this again. I just got over Jamal, man. I can't do it again. <laughs> yeah. So, Greg Williams, glad to have him on the staff. We'll see how he pans out. And I, I guess shouldn't say see how he pans out because, like, honestly, coaching um, position coaches are either the most over-criticized or least praised people in the business. Um, and we really, on the outside, have no idea what what their effect actually is. Yes. But, of course, uh, here at the Underage Packers, appreciate everything. Yes. Because- coaches do because we are those type of Packer nerds exactly like we just live in bliss and assume that because we know these position coaches they have to be great at their job like Mm -hmm. Jerry Montgomery I I have no he could absolutely suck at his job Mm -hmm. I mean at least he's done well enough to keep his job is what we know but I love that man I follow him on Twitter so yeah he's he's great in my heart um same work nice guy Talked to him multiple times when I've been at Green Bay. He's awesome. very nice. Yes. And then you got um, Jason Rebovich, new guy up there. Kirk Olavadati. I feel like that guy, you never hear anything about him. He clocks in. He gets his work done. He clocks out. Love me some Kirk Olavadati. Don't even know how to pronounce his name, quite frankly. Um, uh, and then we we obviously love friends of the show, Luke Buckkiss and Adam Sinovich. Big friends of the show here. My boys love them guys. If Packers PR wasn't so supposedly tied up with their assistant coaches, we'd definitely try to get them here on the podcast. And we, we might still even uh, make an attempt on that with uh, Big B's relationship with Stino. Yes. Uh, so moving on from those position coaches, we now have um, some front office moves. Um, there's, there's only one, and it's a bad one, really. Uh, but Green Bay's personnel slash football admin, Chad Brinker, I uh, was hired to be the Titans' new assistant GM. And honestly, I don't know what personnel slash football admin really means, but my mind just just a, a, a thinking person in the front office. And from what I read, he was kind of a guy that was the Packers were trying to hold on to for quite some time now, and the Titans were the ones that finally picked him up and gave him an opportunity. So, hey, I, I – I have to look at back at the script to even see what his name is. But Chad, thank you for your time here. Hope you have a great time in Tennessee, and we appreciate all the moves that you may have or may not have impacted. Yes. Now moving on to well, I guess keeping it on the front office, let's talk about this Packers offseason. We kind of did a brief overview of what it will look like for them in our last episode, just talking about the different paths that they could take. But today I wanted to take a look at three of the most important decisions the team will make this offseason. And I guess really the three almost telling uh, or direction steering moves that the team will make. Um, And we could do like what we think they'll do, but I want to go with what we want them to do. Okay, so the three most important moves. In my opinion, first is trading Aaron Rodgers. Um, and then, you know, I don't know what that haul looks like, really. 
that's kind of been dominating as well. The Aaron Rodgers discourse, but I don't know what that hall looks like, but trading Aaron Rodgers, I think is a most important move steering this team in the direction that I think they should go in. And I am right. And, all right. Move number two for me is investing in a piece on the offensive or defensive line. And I don't know if that's through three agency or through a high draft pick, but I want this to be a big move. Literally and figuratively, I want this to be a big move. And maybe that's a, a bad perception to me to assume that a good offensive or defensive lineman needs to be big. But I want this to be a big move. I want them to either fork over a majority of their money in free agency to a defensive lineman or, you know, a first or second round draft pick, just like they did last year with Devontae Wyatt. And I really like how TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt are developing, but Dean Lowry is going to be gone. And, you know, Jaron Reed will actually see if he, they bring him back. And he was solid for what they were asking him to do last year, but he's obviously not the long-term defensive line dominance uh, that the Packers are hopefully looking for. And the whole reason that I'm just like so big on a defensive line um, dominant defensive line is because every single year in the playoffs, I watch San Francisco 49ers and their defense just absolutely terrorize quarterbacks. And I am sick of tired of the Packers not having defense like that. And then, you know, could either be on the defensive line or the offensive line too. Like this offensive line is not as uh, solid as we thought it would be. Uh, or perception on it has changed on them um, since last August. Unfortunately, you know, even Josh Myers has to, you know, take a step in year three to be on the right trajectory. Um, you know, John Runyon, we really have to find out what we have in him. Love that man. He's got a great haircut, got a great mustache as well. But we really got to, you know, find out is he a good starter on this offensive line or is he a very solid depth piece. Yash Nyman is going to be a free agent. Really interested to see what happens with him. Um, if he gets tender placed on him, whatever. Um, but also, like, they could also sign and trade him and get really decent return or even a comp pick if they want to go that route, maybe a fifth out of that. Um, and then, so number one, trading Aaron Rodgers. Number two, investing in the offensive line or defense line and number three I guess this is really isn't a decision steering move but repairing the safety position here we are again just like we were after 2018 where the safety position is just like oh my god that's terrifying every play and Adrian Amos god bless his heart I think I've said that two or three times this season that exact same phrase but I really love him but this past year, he clearly took a step back. And, um, you know, it's he's at the age where it's like, all right, that was that should not be dismissed as a fluke year. It should be probably seen as regression. And Darnell Savage is, you know, the, the spite of many Packers fans at this moment. So, uh, you know, he's going to play on a fifth year option this year. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, they could obviously cut him, but I'm not sure what the dead cap looks like for fifth year options at all. But besides that, both of them are going to be, um, both their contracts are going to be over after this next year. 
neither of them or you, you really saw it about going into next, this upcoming year. So getting the safety, and I, I would really love, I'm not sure if this fits Joe Barry's system, which isn't that great. Joe Barry's system is holding us back for years that he's not even going to be with the team. But I would just love, and this, my draft crushes over the past few years have fit this form of just kind of a Swiss army knife at safety, like kind of a positionless player. Um, you know, I think of Jebion Holland, who has had some great success with Miami Dolphins over these past few years. I think he was a defense player of the year candidate, maybe not a finalist, but was definitely being thrown around in that conversation. Um, so just somebody on, on the safety position, drafting somebody this year, or at very least signing a young player who can step in. Um, like, I mean, hey, they might even throw Rudy Ford in there week one like they did in the second half of this season. But somebody on defense that can either develop behind those two or step in day one and be better than subpar. But those are my three most important decisions, moves the Packers will make this season. Trading Aaron Rodgers, offensive defense line, in the safety position. Big B, what are your three? All right. Well, our number ones are the same, and that is trade Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the most um, common sense move, I would say, for the future, if they want to take that route. Because mm-hmm. you got you got a guy in Jordan Love who they've been developing, of course. They're not just going to trade Jordan Love, I, I don't think, anyway. Mm. If the trade value was higher than him, then I could see it. But it's the trade value is virtually non-existent. Very true. Very true. But I just don't. I just don't see them completely throwing the all that development. Right. It's just completely out the window. But that's just my thinking. But like you said, don't know what the trade package is going to look like. I would assume at least a first round pick and then a second round pick that will potentially turn into a first round pick, yeah. like with the, the uh, Lions did with the Stafford trade or however that works and then potentially another player. So we'll get a first round pick for this year, but that's besides the point. That is my number one is to trade Aaron Rodgers, you know, but I'll be called an Aaron Rodgers hater now because I said (laughs) that's, that's a thing that's happening now. So number two is extend Rashawn Gary. That is a move. Mm, Okay. That's that's a good one. It has to be done this year. Um, Yeah. I don't see him playing on his fifth year option this year. I definitely think. Man, I forgot about that. <laughs> definitely think they'll um, get something locked up before training camp starts, and probably will be their training camp move this year. Yes, they're big. Like they announce the training camp schedule, and then five days later, two days before camp starts, boom! At Packers is tweeting it out. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. So. And you saw how big of an effect the defense took and especially the outside linebackers took when Rashawn got hurt. He's definitely the best player, arguably, on the defense. I still think Jair is the best, but Rashawn is, like, right there. So I completely completely forgot about Rashawn in general, even though I have a picture of him in my room. But, like, I almost forgot about him, and he's one of my favorite players. But sorry to interrupt. Keep going. How dare you just, like, completely forget Rashawn? I know. I'm sorry. And my third one kind of goes along the lines with yours, but invest with the defensive line. I am so sick and tired of getting my hopes up thinking, oh my God, 
our defensive line might actually be decent this year. And then they could absolutely shit the bed. Vontae Wyatt um, got some playing time. And you, you could tell he developed a little bit during this season. You know, he looked like a guy in the beginning of the year where he was only using his weight kind of like he did in college to try to move. And, you know, that's clearly not working in the NFL. But then in the later half of the year, you saw him um, – work more on his um, moves and he definitely got better in that category and you could see his athleticism really shine late in the season and same with TJ Slayton he definitely took took a leap this year I really like what they have in him but they need to add more yeah. to the defensive line room it's just it's just a must I would think this year Def- I would assume a first round pick is torrented to the defensive line I could see if like mm, um, yeah that Brian Brees or whatever, if he falls, um, we'll definitely pick him. And especially if we trade Rodgers to get a first round pick, I definitely think yeah. we will take a deep um, him or another one of the high um, defensive linemen at what is it number seven? I think they have. And I can definitely see them trading up to get a defensive lineman also, even if they don't take a trade. So yeah. investing in the defensive line is a move moves that I want to see this year for the Packers. We just got to get some pressure on the quarterback multiple times last year. I, I know I was screaming at the TV just to get pressure. Like we were yeah. not in the pocket at all. And it's so annoying. We need a Reggie white or Sean's a Reggie white, but we need a Gilbert Brown. Okay? We need a Re- Gilbert Brown in our defense. Kenny Clark is like a Santana Dotson. We need a Gilbert Brown, a big chunky boy. Okay. Yes. I know TJ Slayton kind of not that big of a chunky boy, but we need a chunky boy. Okay. <laughs> With a capital C, for sure. Yes, capital C. Chunky. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's for sure. The pressure was definitely frustrating, and part of that was probably, um, you know, obviously Rashawn Gary's injury or Reggie White, and then also Kenny Clark's kind of mid-season slump. But, yeah, pressure was just hard to hard to watch, for sure, this past year. So, yeah, I'm so excited for draft season, especially at pick 15. Oh, that's so close. Like, I feel maybe it's just because of our pick in the 2019 draft, but I feel like picks 1 through 12 are like the golden the golden um, selections, all right? Like, they're, they're, they're just that era. And then we're like, at pick 15, we're kind of like middling around from, you know, the the bad teams that almost made the playoffs. Um and I, that's us too, I guess. But we got lucky at 15 and not 18 or 19. So it's going to be fun. And especially, you know, day two, like you have a lot more ability to move up at pick 15 than you do at pick 30 like we have in the past few years. So draft season is not too far away. We got the combine coming up starting on my birthday, March 2nd. Um, we'll see. I, we should probably get a, a smart person on for – for a combine talk, somebody that knows their stuff, because Lord knows the combine is the first time I'm hearing about 98% of those players. Yes. Um, so we'll have that. And then drafts already late April. I'll hopefully be atten- in attendance for that in Kansas city. So that should be fun. Um, but other than that, that's all we got for you here on this episode of underage Packers. Not sure when the next Packers move will be, but hey, before the draft for the Packers, they do have free agency and they do have to get under the cap before then. And we'll definitely receive an Aaron Rodgers decision before then. So it's we we've got a decent 
decently filled calendar over these next three, four weeks for sure. Um, so we appreciate you tuning in. Don't know when the next time we'll be talking to you, but maybe Aaron Rodgers will come out with a revelation um, uh, or a revelation, a revelation out of the darkness retreat. So should be fun. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to this channel on YouTube. Follow us on all the social networks. I'll talk to you later. As always, go pack, go.